You are listening to Hands at Work Audio. Welcome to the Hands at Work Audio podcast for November 7th, 2014. Today we hear from George Snayman, who is speaking to us from The Hub in South Africa. His talk is entitled, How to Respond in Hard Times. You know, when times are well, it's easy to shine. When you see me coming down the hill and I've got a smile from ear to ear, you look at me and I'm all over with my joy and I tell you how amazing things were happening. That's not going to change your character. You'll be happy with me, but I had good news. But when you know I'm in a tin and the sun is shining on me and it seems like I'm not getting out and it just gets tougher and tougher and it's nearly like Job. Every morning I wake up, there's a new line of of challenges at my door. And I'm thinking, God, could you not just have spread them out for me? Why do they just keep coming hard and thick? And it's nearly like the, the next one that's coming is a bigger nightmare than the previous one. And it's not just challenges that everybody can say, oh, shame, we feel with you. Many of these challenges are challenges where I know After this challenge, there's going to be a big stick that's going to hit us for a long time. And there's nothing I can do about it. I've just got to take that hiding. It's another thing then to this morning stand here and at the top of our voices with all that is within us to say our God is a great God. You see, we are so good at fight, flee, and freeze, aren't we? We will fight anything that brings bad news or that take us on where we are challenged. And if we can't fight it, we just freeze or we put on our running shoes and we run. Well, you know, God gave us this message this, this year that that is a problem that our children are having and our care workers, right? Because they had such tough lives. That's the result. They never had God's word to set them free. We want to bring them, do you know the Jesus I know? God said, that's beautiful. So why don't we start with you? <laughs> Let's put you in the tin a bit and see if you're going to fight, flee or freeze. Or are you going to say, Lord, I say yes. Remember that song? <laughs> We say that's our national anthem, isn't it? For hands. I say yes, Lord. I'm not going to run. I'm not going to make up excuses, looking for loopholes. I'm not going to fight and I'm not going to freeze. I'm going to lie in that altar and I'm going to trust you. Abram, Isaac. You know they say Isaac was about the same age that Jesus was when it happened. So Isaac was a, a grown-up man of 33. There was no way Abram, an old man, could have nailed him down on that altar. Abram said to Isaac, Son, I want you to go and lie on that fire because today I'm going to slaughter you. And Isaac said, Yes, Father. And he got onto that altar. A man of 80 or 90 or... No, he's way older than that. Could in no way have told Isaac, a man in his prime could have overcome him. He told his slaves, stay with the donkey. Isaac laid it down. He didn't run. He didn't look for excuses. He didn't argue. He laid it down. 
No wonder God speaks so highly about Abraham. Smith Wigglesworth was born in June the 8th. He was born about the same time as Omi in 1859. <laughs> and, and he was born in a very poor family in, in Yorkshire. And, and, and he grew up with his mum working in the fields. And he was illiterate until he was 23 years old. When he married Polly, who taught him to read, and, and he often said, I never read any book except the Bible. Isn't it beautiful? You know, when I thought about it, I thought, I wonder if we take a child today and we train a child only to read God's word, nothing else. I wonder what, we, what we'll have when that child grows up. But you know, it wasn't always easy for him. It was very tough for him. I want to tell you some things I know about him. That, you know, many people say raise people from the dead and make legs grow. You know, most of it, I want to tell you it's hogwash. But then there are miracles. I've seen miracles with my own eyes. Okay, there was a time in KwaZulu Natal in the high mountains where I met a a little, a a 12-year-old girl in a hut it's a long story, but she was hidden under a blanket. They hid her away when I went in there. She was an orphan child. And I saw the blanket move, and that's why I asked him what was in there. That child had up to seven epileptic attacks a day. Sometimes she fell in a fire. Her whole face was burned. Her parents died. She was just a slave girl. And that day, God challenged me to pray for her. I don't know what I prayed. I didn't pray for healing. I just prayed for her. And I had a Zulu lady that, that discipled me, and Gloria, she's in heaven now. But we left, and we went back about four or five weeks later. And when I got there, hundreds of people just came running from everywhere in the hills, and they came together there. I was so scared, of, because it was in a very violent time in South Africa at that time. And I thought, there's going to be challenges. And then this girl came running, and she fell down at my feet. I didn't even recognize her. And I couldn't speak Zulu or anything. I said to Gloria, what's going on here? And she said, the moment you prayed for that girl, she was instantly healed. She never, in that four weeks, she had up to seven times a day, she never had another seizure. Her mind was perfect and she was working in the fields. I saw miracles happen. I praise God that I didn't know it then. And I can't even remember what I prayed, so I had zero to do with it. But I believe in miracles. Smith Wigglesworth prayed for people sometimes that were dead for three days. There was one case where a man fell off a, out of a building. His body was so broken that they put it in a body bag. And he prayed over the guy and he was healed. He, he became alive. Smith Wigglesworth was one of the most miraculous workers since the uh, apostles in the Bible. And yet he said, I would rather see one salvation than a hundred thousand healings. So he understood what it was about. But you know a secret that very few people knew about Smith Wigglesworth, even as he was praying for multitudes and people got just healed where he prayed. Even while he stood there praying for him, he was bleeding internally. He went through the deepest suffering his whole life. He had serious pain while he prayed for people for healing. This is what he said. I want to leave this with you to take with you. Great faith 
great faith is a product of great fights. Great faith comes when there's great fights. Guys, you're not going to have faith if you're not fighting. If you and I don't go into the battlefield and fight, we will never have the faith that David and them can have because we've never slaughtered the Goliath. And let me tell you something this morning which I've discovered after 20 years out here. The biggest enemy I ever had to face was called George Andrews Neyman. Your faith will only start growing and you will really become a children of Christ when you recognize how you can lie to yourself, how you can justify, run away, make as if God is in it. In the meantime, it's 100% you and you are running. If we want to grow in our faith, one of the first things we need to do, we need to recognize that the big enemy is in us. It's us. Every big man and woman of God that's ever been, and you read their writings, and they will tell you that they would go through a valley of death in their walk with God. And every time that valley of death, that point, is when they discovered the deceitfulness and the blackness in their own lives and how they were lying to themselves, justifying their own weaknesses. It's the toughest thing for us to be honest about ourselves. I want to encourage you this morning with me. But he also said, great testimonies are the outcome of great tests. Great testimonies only come if you are tested greatly. (laughs) Great faith, great fights. Great testimonies come from great tests. And great triumphs come out of great trials. Great triumphs come out of great trials. You see, God used hard times as his training school. I want to read to you from Psalm 119 from the message. So just listen. Psalm 119, verse 65. Be good to your servant God. Be as good as your word. Train me in, your com- train me in common sense. I'm thoroughly committed to living your way. Before I learned to answer you, I wandered all over the place. But now I'm in step with your word. You are good and a source of good. Train me in your goodness. The godless spread lies about me, but I focus my attention on what you are saying. They bland as a bucket on lard, which I dance to the tune of your revelation. My troubles turned all out for the best. They they forced me to learn from your textbook, Truth from your mouth means more to me than striking it rich in a gold mine. Suffering is never good in itself. 
never. But God is able to use it to do something good in us. When you suffer, God can use it. Romans 8, Paul say, And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. God used suffering to train us. Just as a gardener prunes the vine. Um, John 15, 2. He removes every branch in me that bears no fruit. Every branch that bears fruit, he prunes to make it bear more fruit. Can you hear that? He removes every branch in me that does not bear fruit. And the ones that does bear fruit, he prunes. That's a tough part. He prunes the good part. He prunes it where you're doing it right. That's, that's where the confrontation comes, where we question God. It's like parents disciplining their children. Hebrews 12, 10. God disciplines us for our good. For our good. And the metal worker refines silver and gold in a fire. 1 Peter 1 verse 6 and 7. In this you rejoice, even if now for a little while you have had to suffer various trials, so that the genuineness of your faith being more precious than gold that though perishable is tested by fire, may be found results of praise and glory and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. So we see the psalmist that we read wrote, train me in common, good common sense. Before I learned to answer you, I wandered all over the place, but now I'm in step with your word. Train me in your goodness. The fact is that when we are going through hard times, we must not doubt God's goodness. Lord, I just pray that we will not, that we will look at our hard times that happened up to this moment and we will see the fruit that came out of those times. Yesterday I spent time with Alicia as we spoke about challenges we have in the work. And I said to her, I said, it's hard for you to understand this, but these are going to be the things that you're going to remember for the rest of your life. Catherine just told me of somebody that went on our vision trip that absolutely hated community stay with a passion. It was, they resisted everything that was happening there. The next morning they felt so overwhelmed by it. Two weeks later, they felt a little bit better, but still. Two months later, that person said to Catherine, that was the very place where God prepared them for a crisis they're facing right now. It was the very place where they saw the heartbeat of God, even though it was so tough for them there that they could see nothing good come out of it. Two months later, they looked back and said, God in heaven, I thank you, I thank you, I thank you that you took me to a Community stay in the bushes of Zambia. I stayed in a terrible place with a woman who lives under the red line. 
because he prepared me for my crisis I have right now. Mother Teresa said, I did not pray for success. I pray for faithfulness. I want to leave that with you. Don't pray for success. Don't measure what you do. It's success. Pray for faithfulness. Jeremiah. Man, I want to tell you a little bit about Jeremiah. If you want to go read more Jeremiah, read from Jeremiah 15, 43 to 45. What he went through. Jeremiah was a weeping prophet who told the truth. All he wanted is for people to know the heart of God. Does that sound familiar? <coughs> and the more he shared it, the more he gave everything he had, the more people not only rejected what he said, they called him a liar. They persecuted him. All he wanted was people to know God's heart. He was obedient to God. He went to the nation of Israel. He said, for your own good, I want to tell you the heart of your father. They called him a liar. They persecuted him. But you know, not just Jeremiah, it was very interesting to me. But you can go further and you can look at, just want to catch his name here, Baruch. Baruch was the guy who wrote Jeremiah's prophecies down. Baruch was from a highly educated family. Baruch was from a noble family. Everybody said that boy was going to make it to the top. You know what he ended up doing for decades? He walked behind Jeremiah and he wrote everything down to Jeremiah said. That was his fancy way. And to make it worse, the very message he wrote down didn't become a bestseller. It was totally rejected. The guy he had to follow could not speak as well as he could. He could not write as well as he could. He wasn't as educated as he was. He had to be scaffolding. I'm speaking to somebody here. He had to be scaffolding. He had to walk behind the guy that was speaking and had to write down. And nobody was listening to the guy that was speaking. And he felt his whole life was wasted. I mean, after all, do you know where I was educated? Do you know the talents I had? Do you know the heights that everybody predicted for me? And yet, after the end of Jeremiah's life, there was nothing. In fact, at the end, after 47 years of doing this, Jeremiah looked back and Jerusalem was destroyed. The very thing he was trying to predict, the very work he was trying to do, and can you imagine in 20 years' time, or maybe even next year, we look back and every CBO is destroyed. How will we will lay our lives down in this old field? How will those Baruchs uh, who, who came from overseas to walk behind us and to believe in us and to push us? And at the end of the day, Jen and Dad and everybody must go home because there's nothing left but disgrace. Disgrace. There's a real chance for that, you understand? Are you prepared to walk that road? Or are you looking for success? This happened around 680 BC, 680 years before Christ was born. 
they have ever known. That the book of Jeremiah was going to be read by billions of people. How would they ever have dreamed when Jerusalem was destroyed and Jeremiah was, was made out to be a rubbish uh, a heretic? How would they ever have known that millions of millions of people would have seen Christ in Jeremiah? They would have read the scriptures, would have begun their life. People would have studied their prophecies and tears would have come to them. Their hearts would have repented. The kingdom would have opened up. They became part of one of the most famous books read in hundreds of languages, hundreds of languages by people through centuries. There was a time that every sign that they could see was spelling in bold, underlined, you are a failure. Hard times. I reminded Alicia yesterday. I said to Alicia, I want you to remember one thing. Jesus raised Lazarus four days after he died. <laughs> it's never too late Never. Even after they said, after the fat lady said, God can come back and change Right? He can do whatever he wants. Because our Father stands outside time. He created time. And He wants us to go through tough times. To shape us, to form us, and to point. And when we are standing in that dark moment, when the clouds are gathering above our village, people that have loved us and supported us for decades are questioning us. Or people that we worked with for years and years in Africa, we're not working with or CBOs are closing. Whatever, whatever. Or your own pain and, and sinfulness, which is in my case not probably the biggest sin. You become so aware of it. You become so overwhelmed that you just don't know how you can even take the next step when you think I'm going to go to the UK in a few hours. God, I should not be good to talk about. And that is the truth before me. I do not have the confidence to go to my There's a mountain that's so big before me that I can't see the sun anymore. I'm so overwhelmed. And every morning, the last two weeks I woke up, there was another Goliath at my door, bigger, uglier, and stronger than the previous one. Go through the God. Our God is 
We are not here for success. We are here to be faithful. We are here to stand in the clouds of darkness and to declare our God. And I know behind those dark clouds, behind that mountain, there's a powerful, beautiful, vibrant sun rising. And God said, in the night time, I will reveal. My day will come. And you will be justified. You will stand. And I will put it that everybody will see that. And it will be the day. For joining us, www.handsatwork.org.